listening to the New Mamas Podcast. Hey everyone, it's your host, Lena Forrestal, and today I'm excited to talk to Dr. Gertrude Lyons. Her mission is to challenge the traditional and outdated notions of mothering instilled in our society to help women tap into their feminine power, reclaim their lives, and connect with their own mother code, which all women have, with or without children. She's also a speaker, life coach, and the host of the Mother Podcast. It's really good. I just listened to the podcast episode on inner child work. Ooh, that was a good one. Today, we're going to be talking about mom rage and what to do when triggered. Gertrude, welcome to the podcast. Lena, it's such a privilege and honor to be here. Thanks so, so much for having me. Yes. Is there anything that you wanted to add that I may have missed? I mean, you have your resume is awesome, but no, I thought you did just a beautiful, lovely job. I'll just add a couple personal notes. I have two daughters who are ages 23 and just turned 26. So I'm in a different place, but still plenty of things to uh, have come up and uh, regarding our topic today around triggers and stuff at any age that you're mothering or whatever you're mothering, whatever, oh my gosh. wherever, but we're going to get into that. Yeah. So absolutely. Two kids have been on my own mothering journey that has been fueled by many, many mistakes and deep lessons and, and, and beautiful moments, you know, beautiful moments that I'm so, so grateful for. So just being in, in the whole landscape of mothering through the years. That's awesome. I mean, that is life, right? Mistakes, beautiful moments. And yes, even like your children are 22 and 26, that's a whole different stage of motherhood that, you know, bless, hopefully we will all get there one day. So, right. Well, and I'm aware that, you know, you have a two-year-old and I couldn't even imagine, like you can't picture, you can't imagine. It's just, you're so in the moment and that's, what's beautiful. You know, you're in the moment at whatever stage they're at. And, you know, even thinking of them at that age in grade school or let alone high school or beyond that is, uh, you just can't fathom it. And we're not really supposed to, you know, so it's fine. Yeah. I have like glimmers where he'll look at me a certain way and I'm like, oh, is this what you're going to look like when you're 16? Like, I feel like I have little glimpses of a possible, like what he could look like in the future, but it is, it's so hard to imagine my two-year-old like actually being like a real person and like sitting down and having a conversation. Like it's so weird. It's like things to look forward to. One of the things I, this is so random, but one of the things I do look forward to is like when he turns 16, like I really hope that him and I can work at like the haunted hay. There's like a haunted hay maze. And I'm like, Ooh, that would be so cool to do together to like dress up and scare people. It's so random. Like the little things you look forward to. I love that. Well, there's, it's a little thing, but there's deeper meaning in that for you. And just, just the idea of like connecting under with something that's going to be very different at that age than it is now. Right. And like, oh, we could do a haunted house. Obviously not going to do that with my two-year-old. Right. (laughs) No. (laughs) Well, let's get right into it. So I find it helpful when we define things for our audience, since everyone has a different definition, let's start talking about what to do when triggered. How do you define triggered? It's a very useful word. And I I don't think, you know, until I was in this landscape, like it's not something you think about, right? Like, or 
in any situation, why did I get so angry about that? Or why am I so upset about that? And and my partner isn't, or my friend could care less. And when I explained, you know, something that just really got me emotional in some way or another, you know, really riled up. And what that tracks back to, like we're triggered when something comes at us and usually it's an interaction with another person, but you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be. I have an interaction, something happens, a person does something, whether it's directly to me or not, or with me, and I have a strong emotional response. And the trigger, so I've been triggered, so that's just clear, right? Like I I just went from zero to a hundred with what just happened. So something clicked, something triggered, right? And to go, you know, then the next layer. So it's a trigger because there's some piece of, I'm going to use a jargon word here, but we can unpack it. Unfinished business from my past. Ooh, I know big word, right? Or big, big phrase, but something that it can be a wound. It can be, you know, trauma, you know, little things to big things. It doesn't have to be something really big. It can just be the atmosphere that I lived in. That wasn't one specific event, but this behavior or this action that this person took evokes it for me. And as children, we only have certain ways we can process that. And we come up with behaviors and thoughts and like kind of ways to deal with it, to keep ourselves alive and coping, you know, with it, but all of that gets buried in our unconscious. So it goes down there into the unconscious. And unless we shine some light on it to bring it up to the surface, all these things that happen and all these ways we coped are just kind of waiting there for something like this to happen. And I think that something that happens like the trigger is actually can be a gift. It can be like, Oh, Oh, here's something, you know, that we haven't tended to yet. This is a piece of memory, a piece of my childhood, a piece of me that needs tending to. So that well, I know we're going to get in further, but does that give a good kind of general picture of the landscape of triggers? Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like a lot of moms listening, you know what it, like you know it when you feel it because there's some things that make you like, uh, annoyed, like, mm, that's annoying. But then you really do feel that strong emotional response to something that's almost not irrational. Yeah. It feels like, cause we don't have a place to put it. And yeah. our culture doesn't have a great place for us to like be with that strong emotion that just came up. So it's kind of culturally. And then, you know, we have this belief like, oh, that's irrational. Like, Yeah. Let's just try and make that stop because it's irrational. And well, we'll get into emotions in general, but it's a it's one of the it's a harmful mistaken belief we have to uh, identify it as irrational. Yeah, right. Exactly. Because although it feels irrational for me to be triggered by clutter or be triggered by whining. It's not irrational. Yeah, it's there's a lot. There's a lot there. But I know that's one of my biggest triggers is whining. I mentioned I have a two-year-old, so we are very whiny right now. I can deal with crying. I can deal with tantrums, which is so funny to me. But the whining is a lot for me. As a mom, what triggers you? And you can talk to you about your children now if you want or when they were younger. <laughs> um, I think honestly, right. I'm like kind of curious to hear that perspective too. Like the, what does the mom of a two-year, 22-year-old get triggered about? Well, <laughs> you know, there's quite a range now when you're in, you know, in there and the choices that, you know, teenagers on up are making. So let's just, I'll, I'll 
I definitely get triggered when, and I'll just, I'll lump it all into and, you know, we'll, we'll see it because it's, it's a whole range of like ways that I maybe designate unhealthy behaviors, right. Or unhealthy choices. It's you sound like the mom, like make good choices. Right. But I, I do, I get like really charged up when, well, let's just take my younger daughter. Like when she makes a choice, that's like really detrimental to her health and isn't healthy for anybody. So but she has, you know, things that like health wise that make it um, more so, right? Like it's, I, I'm, I'm feeling a little protective of her, but like if, you know, over drinking, right? Like when drinking to excess and I, I can say this, like, I'm aware that she doesn't, you know, have like an Uber, like drinking problem, but my husband and I don't drink and we haven't, it's a choice we made, you know? So when your child that's older makes choices that are different for yours, when you feel like you've made this so thoughtfully and it would be so great for her. And when she complains about not feeling well, or complains that, you know, like things that are persisting in her health, and then you add going out and partying at night and stay, you know, staying up, like she got nodes on her, on her, vocal cords, you know, the not resting because it's not just the drinking, you know, it's like, it's a snowball effect. When you drink, you also overeat and you don't sleep and you don't exercise because you feel like crap. It's like a whole cycle of crap, basically. Yes. Yes. And, you know, she's not in my control anymore, but if, when she talks to me about it or when I get really triggered, when she says, Oh, you know, I have, or I can hear a raspy voice or something, or she's like sick again from some other thing. And I just want to, you know, say like, well, if he just, you know, did this or did that, but it triggers for me that just that out of control feeling like, you know, that we have with our kids in general, like we, we kind of think we have, and we're, you know, we're guiding them and that when they're young and we can, we have much stronger say on what they put in their mouths, what what we give them and, and all that stuff. But um, there's this certain like out of controlness. And, and I think the going against like what I think or what I believe is really challenging, like for her to have her own mind. So I'm going to say a little bit about that. And then I'll say like the trigger and how I work on it. So her having her own thoughts, her own mind, like doing it how she wants, you know, call it even like a little bit rebellious. So this is an unthoughtful place. She also does it in thoughtful ways too. Right. And I still get triggered, right? Like she'll, you know, just think different thoughts than me and, you know, opinions and have thoughts and opinions that uh, don't jive with mine and some of that. So I, I get, I, I want her to think like me and there's something, you know, I, I've done everything from just get really mad at her to just like figure out like these ways that I think I'm going to manage it. But the truth is it's been really good work for me. So this is somewhat we'll talk about like, so when I'm triggered, there's things I can do in the moment and I'll talk about that. But what I love about this conversation is, you know, it's like, it's the underpinnings of my whole platform around, you know, mothering is a vehicle for our transformation, right? So she's giving me a gift. She's giving me an insight into myself and my own self-awareness. So if I have, you know, this, sure, I, I could go on and on about like, and prove like why I'm right about what I'm saying or, you know, what my thought or opinion is, but that's going to get me nowhere. You know, it, one, it won't help our relationship, but for my own self-awareness, that's just me trying to justify myself and feel okay. Versus what is this one kind of helpless out of control feeling I have that she stirs up. And then two, there's, I was the good girl. Like I did everything my mom said. I 
Yes, I. She, you're, she's saying me too. Um, <laughs> I, you know, follow the rules. I, you know, yeah, I like drank as a teenager, but you know, within re- every, you know, within reason, didn't get in trouble. And even my thoughts and opinions, I didn't value. Or if I put them out there and someone negated them, I'd be like, oh yeah, yeah, okay, you're right. So she's you know, expressing this kind of unowned part of myself, right? So she's putting it there and kind of in my face, so to speak, you know, this part of me that I have wrestled with that I haven't come to peace with. And I've, you know, that allows me to then go in and, you know, where I can in ways that I can, whether it's journaling, whether it's working with a coach, whether it's doing breath work, you know, something it's like, okay, how can I get at this at a deeper level so that then, she doesn't have to change, but when I change, you know, and, and have released some of it, healed some of it, you know, come, brought it up to the surface out of my unconscious, and it isn't about her and I take it back to me, then I've just moved forward in my life. You know, I've just discovered things about myself. So I just said a lot. Um, what it, yeah, how does that sound to you? Does it make sense? Yeah, I feel like a lot of what you said have kind of have validated how I've felt about motherhood. Of like I write a lot of poetry and I do a lot of writing. And there was like one line that I wrote that I felt like I, I was like, this doesn't even make sense. Like I wrote that my son is like staring at a window into myself. And I was like, mm-hmm. well, that doesn't make sense. But then I guess now I understand what I was trying to say is that, yes. yeah, is everything you just said is, man, and I, I like, I don't even know how I, how I would deal with like what when I get there, like when my son is 22 or when my future children are of drinking age and of driving age and of, of choices age. And I imagine it feels a little bit like where did like having the different opinions part of where did that come from? Like, oh, yeah, like, like, it wasn't me. Was it someone else that influenced you? Or was it did you use your own brain to come up with that? Like, I'm sure it feels a little (laughs) bit like, like that, too. Because I feel like we'll probably always look at our children as if they are those little, like they're two, right? But they're not. So that's interesting. And that's good. I like that you mentioned those strategies too, like breath work, working with a coach, almost taking the trigger away from your daughter and I can apply that also with whining yeah we could talk about yeah the whining is like taking it out of like my son it's not that my son it's not the whining so what am I really getting triggered about so I don't know that's I'm gonna have to meditate on that because I don't yeah and just really see what comes or journal and I mean you mentioned my inner child episode like that's another good place to kind of go in and if I'm doing inner child work you know in a meditation or however I'm doing that or through journaling I can ask that question you know of my child or go back or you know talk to them about it what what does this mean or in a meditation like whining and just see what comes up you know as you free free flow with journaling. And it does, and I love that you said, and I want to underline, gosh, I wrote this thing, you know, this poem, and I, I forget it. it was beautiful how you said it, but a window, my son is a window into me or something um, like that. Well, first of all, just the fact that it didn't, you know, it didn't make sense. Like this is something I want to like underline and validate because, you know, that's a, a, a more, I'm going to use the word term feminine, but I don't mean like just woman, you know, like the the yin yang of it, right? And um, the the yin aspect of it where we don't have words for it, but we know, 
right? And I really want us to get in touch with that aspect and, you know, get more friendly with that knowing and, and to start trusting it more. It's like, mm, you know, and, and just to not negate it, like, well, I don't know where that come from, or that doesn't make sense. It's like, well, I just don't have words for this experience, but I know it, right? And and you had this knowing, because I'll say that, like our kids are mirrors for us. You know, they're they're there these as these little like consultants that we've kind of born <laughs> into this world to help us, you know, learn and grow. And they're gonna be the perfect, you know, they're gonna have the perfect behaviors, you know, for me to learn about myself, you know, find my my trigger points, find my pain points. And, you know, when I work with women, I have them, you know, look at like, what have, what have been, you know, some of your current pain points, but also like childhood pain points, you know, and when we can identify that, you know, we can kind of make sense of it and bring that to the surface. Cause then we have more choice. So the whole idea of bringing, you know, this unconscious material, I was like using the, the image of a, of an iceberg, have you ever heard the iceberg metaphor? Yeah. So some people are usually, you know, somewhat familiar with it. Right. But it's just remains to be very powerful for me. But, you know, if you picture an iceberg, just for those who may not have heard it, you picture an iceberg and there's the water line and 90, 80 to 90% of the iceberg is underwater and about 10 to more than 20 is above the water. So you know, when you ask like, where, what's moving the iceberg? Like what, where's the power, right? And where is like the, the power and what's actually moving that iceberg is all under the surface, right? So when you, we say, you know, we, we think something's irrational, well, we just don't have a place to put it because we can't see it yet. And until we kind of dive into those waters and, and look around at it, oh, okay, this like, this makes more sense to me now. And now I have more choice because up here, we think we have choice. We think we're moving the iceberg, but we're really, we're really not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> People have used an met- um, elephant metaphor too, like riding an elephant, like, yeah, I'm steering this elephant. No, that elephant's going to go wherever it wants, right? I don't matter what you say. I love that. And that's kind of our unconscious. So our unconscious, you know, has a lot of material for us. And, you know, we've kind of been trained to keep it submerged and, you know, keep that all like packed away. And then you come into new motherhood and, you know, our defenses are down between hormones, between the changes in our brain. Like we just don't have all those ways and those methods that we had put together for ourselves to kind of keep ourselves together and, and survive. And that can be a beautiful thing, a scary thing. You know, if we don't know how to have strategies to deal with that, the good news is we can work on it, right? We can, we, we can start seeing those things and every little bit, you know, brings a new awareness and a new awakening. And, and then we can get to the point where my, you know, I've worked on it myself. Like you'll find things as you explore the whining, you know, of your son. And it could be anything from, I mean, even similar to mine, like I never whined, you know, like, or something about that shrill noise or, or the out of control feeling like, you know, or who does he think he is to like get with, you know, whine like this. I mean, you know, there's just, uh, we just have to be willing to, to see and, and look or, and, you know, to be, I'm not saying this is you, you know, there's a whole spectrum, like, you know, someone might have gotten hit when they whined, you know, there's, these can be really big triggers. I'm not, you know, at all treating it lightly. So it's understandable that we want to keep them down here, but if we can find safe places where it's like, this is really like sending me through the roof, like let's, you know, not with him, but I can step away and work on this so that I, I can come and I'll have more strategies, more ways I can be with myself when I am with him. Yeah. Wow. I 
that is so powerful exactly to identify the triggers. And I feel like if you're a new mom listening and you're probably picked this episode to listen to because you probably have experienced this. I mean, let's be real. I feel like if you haven't experienced being triggered as a mom, you're probably very, very lucky because I feel like most moms are triggered by something. And it doesn't even have to be your kids either. Like I, another one of my triggers, oh, and we can talk about rage too in a little bit, but one of my triggers when my son was really young were were my dogs. And Mm. it was, it was so, I remember feeling so weird. Like I even like searched it online because I'm like, is this normal? So my husband and I are big into dog rescue. We've rescued three dogs. We have four dogs in total and they were Mm. our babies. They were our babies until I had a real human baby. And then they became these animals that lived in my house. And that just triggered me to no end. And I would feel this like zero to a hundred rage at them and like just wishing I didn't have them. And it was so odd for me because Like we are big animal rescue people and I loved animal, have always loved animals my whole life. So this was such a new feeling for me of like, basically I poured all my love. It felt like I had all this love that was spread upon these animals. And then the second my son came into the world, I withdrew it like a tsunami. You know how a tsunami pulls back all of the water before it has this big wave. It's like I pulled back all of my love and I put it into my son. Mm. And I think that's where a lot of also my postpartum anxiety came from too, that I really suffered with was I felt so this was my like, I it's like my only purpose on this earth was to protect this little being. It was was honestly the weirdest thing. But well, let's, you know, let's take away weird. (laughs) <laughs> oh, I know I use all these words. I feel like to, to just, yeah, I know when we do it so unconsciously, yeah. but like anything that, you know, particularly is emotionally related or, you know, what we've categorized, we just want to question like, you know, is this weird or irrational? But it, like, it makes so much sense to me hearing you talk about it. Right. And, and, and again, you have your unique experience and you've had your unique lifetime leading up to here. So yes, there might be another woman who like, embraces the dogs with the new baby and you know like so we're not saying that can't happen but your experience was it was like whoa you know and uh, my heart just like opened you know to the part of you it was like no like right now this is where I'm giving my energy you know and I just don't I, I think I'll get there you know after a bit and I hope so but I'm right now like choosing to you know put my energy here and you guys are like needy little, and you know, we know how dogs are. Well, I don't know how dogs are. It's like, they're going to go for like, they're relentless. Right. And if they're if the they're neediest used to animal, gotten that from, yes. Yeah. And you love it at times, but if, if you've, you know, if they were your world, I mean, our dog, I, I swear had went into depression when we had our daughter. <laughs> I do because I, you know, I, I didn't have as, I didn't notice as noticeable of a trigger, but it was like, sorry, I don't have time. You know, like you're getting nothing, you know? Yeah. And I remember feeling bad and I could tell like he was really sad, you know, like I, he, he felt it. It like took a while, but for you to be okay with the fact, like, yes, like that was, and I don't know how it is now that they're two, if you, if it has shifted, you know, for you now that you're not in the, the throes of like, oh, you know, that intensity and 
you know, that energy or putting towards your newborn, but you know, that's a rocky world kind of thing. And for, you know, one dog to four dogs, like that's a lot to feel like you have to give to you in that moment. Right. And it's like a zoo. you know, that's their relentless like. neediness and like, wait, like, who's this newcomer? Like, yeah, I'm sure they had feelings about it, but you know, to me, it's like, it, it's honoring, you know, that, that part of your mothering journey and being okay with like, yep. Yeah, well, and when we, when we can kind of catch it. So if, for example, here, like you're just, you know, kind of judging yourself or not, you know, when you can catch it, you know, you, you can communicate to them, like, you know, I'll, I'll get back to you. But for now, this is where, this is where it's happening and you're still going to get tended to. And I don't know if your husband, you know, took on more uh, responsibility with them. Like, you know, we're not abandoning. I I'm a big believer in communicating, you know, just putting out there kind of what's happening and what's so with them, but that's after you've kind of identified that, you know, this is, it's, this is where I'm at right now. I'm assuming it's going to change. I'm, you know, have enough feelings, you know, you mentioned anxiety, but fear, you know, uh, with what I'm dealing with right now. And, and, you know, my son's going to get it all from me right now. Thank you for understanding. Right. (laughs) Biologically, it makes sense. Like in hindsight, it's a very natural thing to give birth and to protect your young. I feel like that is, it's just how we are. Uh, you know, a mother dog would feel the same way over her puppies. I feel like it's very natural. So I feel like if I could give my past self any advice and for any other mom who might have what they think is a strange trigger. And again, we use the word strange or weird because we don't have a place to put it. You're exactly uh-huh. right. We, I don't have a place to put these feelings. I think I would just be less judgmental yeah. of myself and just say like it's okay to feel this way and it's temporary mm-hmm. like you were saying like this is just temporary like what these these feelings the way i dealt with it was by entering therapy so i wish i got therapy a lot sooner than i had sought help but That's eventually i got thing. there yeah. and through that like so i some strategies that i have implemented that have helped were therapy I learned Mm. to meditate. I was one of those people that thought I could never meditate. Like that's cute for other people, but I can never sit and actually just sit still. And But you can, honestly, like you can, you can meditate. It's actually, it's not, I feel like meditation is not what people think it is. I think people have this image in their head of like, you're sitting there and you're doing the OM and there's nothing playing or sitting there in silence. You can that is a form, but there's also guided meditation, which is so great for people like me who are f- typically fidgety and tend to wander and daydream. This episode is sponsored by Credem. Did you know that over 70% of children do not consume adequate nutrients from their diet? This is why I'm working with Credem.com. Credem.com is a distributor of all natural and eco-friendly home, skin, and health products created by Shackley. These products are clinically tested and clinically proven. One of the things I love about Credem and the Shackley products are their focus on children and mothers. They offer personalized vitamin packs for the children and adults called Neology, and they come in gummy or pill form. What is great is that they offer higher discounts on the Neology Kids packs for the more kids you have. Also, starting in November, they will be releasing their pre- and postnatal line to help support mothers and their children in such an important time in their life. Credem also offers ways to become a distributor yourself and make extra income all from home. 
For a limited time, any purchase on Kratom.com will enter you to win one free month of Myology Kids personalized gummy packs. If you want to learn more, go to Kratom.com, that is C-R-E-I-D-M.com, or check them out on Instagram at Kratom Life. I'll have their info in the show notes, so be sure to check them out. Now, let's get back to the show. But what were, how did you learn those strategies for coping and how did you learn what worked for you? Like, when was that click of like, ooh, this is what's yeah. working for me? Sure. Can you share you know, a little and, bit more about um, that? Just to share a little bit about my journey, because uh, I've, I've been in some form of personal growth work, like uh, since my husband and I got engaged when I was 24, like literally this was a long time ago. And, you know, I, I would call it coaching now, but it, you know, it was therapy, which was great. Um, you know, because I realized I had some out of the blue awareness uh, when somebody mentioned to me, it was actually my boss mentioned when I got engaged, like, Oh, well, best thing, best advice I can give you is to do premarital coaching or counseling. I was like, what, you know, and um, now he was in the midst of a divorce and, you know, it was, it's so it was understandable that that would be his, you know, his, his advice, but it was the best yeah. thing I consider my angel forever. And he had a friend and we, you know, somehow I managed to get my, you know, stoic, like man's man husband to try this with me and, uh, you know, totally changed the trajectory of our lives. So, and I'm going to say this for a couple of reasons. So one, I was accumulating skills. I was, you know, working on myself. Like we worked on a relationship. We did a vision for our relationship and saw the power of what it looks like, you know, to, to work consciously at something and learn skills and start, you know, practice like going deep with self-awareness. And we did that as a couple for a bit, but then you know, got the advice, really, you just need to work on yourself. That's the best thing you can do for your couple is work on yourself. So, you know, did that. And, you know, I was involved in some pretty intensive programs, all geared to like bring all this unconscious to the surface and prepare. So, and had gone on spiritual pilgrimages. So meditate, you know, I had, before I had the pressure of a child, you know, had practiced some of these and I was still warned, okay, well, that's all great. You've done all this. And I'm kind of thinking like, oh, I'm, you know, I've, I've, I've got this, I've got skills, you know, I'm not going, I'm going into this. I'm not unarmed. <laughs> right. <laughs> Somewhat forewarned, but I was a little cocky yeah. about it. And I, you know, my coach at the time was like, you know, does all of that's great, but you'll still regress, you know, you'll still get thrown off your, off your game. And it's true. Right. There's, there's, there's a few things that I think, and you know, that a woman goes through that rocks your world as much as, as birth and new motherhood, you know, because it's everything. It's your physiology. It's your emotions. It's, you know, untapped. I, I think we're, I, I think it's a spiritual experience. And if you're not ready for that, it, you know, there's just all the stuff. Right. And it was true. I was, I did regress. Um, so it was kind of for me, like reclaiming, like, oh, okay, what are the things that work here? And, you know, when I was struggling with breastfeeding and she wasn't, you know, we were so committed to breastfeeding and I'd had a home, I was very, you know, wanted to be conscious for all this. I'd had a home birth and all these things. So of course I'm going to breastfeed. And it was like so devastatingly hard. And that was my first experience to have something like that happen and take it back to myself. Like, what is this stirring up for me? You know, what is, and between my husband and I, like, what's, 
what's going on here? It, it brought up competitiveness, like my husband thinking he was the better parent, me not feeling like I was enough and I couldn't give enough and, you know, allowing myself. So when I say like, kind of what was that aha moment? I, I don't know that I have one of those, like, I would say that nursing thing was like, okay, this is, this is how this can work. Right. Um, so I worked with my coach, you know, I worked on, um, I, uh, I, I wasn't so much meditating then, but I was journaling, you know, I was, you know, trying to find these, you know, spaces where I could identify with myself because you're so fused with that newborn, right? It's so much like about them. Any moment I could take that was just for me to kind of have a little moment of separation so I could go inside myself was just massively invaluable. And so I think I navigated, you know, with these, with things like, and I had done a lot of work on knowing my emotions. So it's something we haven't really mentioned, Lena, which is emotional intelligence. And that's a skill we can build, you know, the, the getting ourselves back in touch with our primary emotions and navigating those in trigger moments, just literally in all the neuroscience. And maybe you've talked about this on other shows, if I didn't see it, you know, immediate things we can do when we're triggered is name the emotion we're having. You know, I'm, I'm scared. I'm angry. Literally just saying it out loud, not like yelling, you know, this isn't a, a thing. This is just like literally naming it will calm, you know, that part of our brain that is triggered. And, you know, Jill Bolte Taylor's work in neuroscience, you know, if, if we can be with ourselves for up to 90 seconds, even better, because then that trigger will wash the, all the chemicals and things that are happening in your system literally takes 90, it's a 90 second cycle. So giving ourselves timeouts, you know, in those moments, because we haven't, um, I know we wanted to touch on mom rage, but I'm saying these both trigger, but particularly in a mom rage, like I, mommy's going to take a little time out right now and literally taking yourself away, 90 seconds, breathing, self-soothing, just touching yourself, getting, you know, yourself kind of back online. I'll have more choices. Uh, I'll be able to come back into that situation from a very different place. Cause otherwise we just, it's a, a never ending loop. So I went, I went a lot of places like how I, I did that and uh, some of my journey with it. And I'll just add one more thing, you know, Lena, and it's really what kind of ended up getting me to do this work later. I felt like I navigated that it was hard, but I, and I regressed, but you know, I, I did stay with some of my skills until I had my second daughter, not to scare people, you know, but, <laughs> <laughs> I know. Great. Um, and it's different for everybody <laughs> again, <laughs> right? Like, uh, but the second daughter, you know, I mean, I, 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 I didn't, you know, was never diagnosed with postpartum. Um, but for sure, for the first two months, I was, you know, kind of on another planet, you know, in some ways. And it was at that point, but somehow having two children, like I was really aware that I regressed to like a very fear-based uh, lifestyle, you know, and even things like rocking the boat with my husband, or, you know, I just went into this mode of like, it's all about the kids. Let's keep it nice. I, I kind of put myself and, and I'm saying this and I'm, co I was a coach by then and I'm coaching mothers and parents around this transformational opportunity. And I had receded and it was later that I realized like, whoa, I really, I really went away from myself and had a lot of regret and remorse. And it's like, you know, awareness, you know, through the mothering cycle and, and helping us just see those, those trigger points as the gifts that they are. You know, I, I, 
whether, and I've done the work later, you know, I kind of wish I had done it, you know, then in the moment to see just how deep the fear was that was triggered at that time around, you know, the birth and early years of my second daughter. Um, So it's never too late for it, which is a beautiful thing. Um, But I would say things that we can do and, you know, work that we can do around our emotions is uh, kind of first and foremost on my list of in the self-awareness territory, so to speak. Yeah. So starting there, right. So my takeaways from what you just said, something that really stuck out to me that I think a lot of new moms can implement is finding spaces where you can connect back to yourself. That really, Mm -hmm. that really stuck out to me. And I guess subconsciously I've been going that way. I've been taking a pottery class, not with my husband, not with my kid, just with me. I've been reading more. So I feel like doing those things where I can find time back with myself like that. It's true. It is so powerful. And I love what you mentioned about the first step, even being naming the emotion, because that's also a strategy and anxiety too. So for example, if you have a lot of intrusive thoughts, which Mm -hmm. I did, or I I did before now I'm on antidepressants, I'm on medication has really helped, but even still, sometimes I get it and it just naming it saying, Ooh, that was an intrusive thought or oh, this feels like anxiety like that. Like I saw like actually yet literally yesterday, I, I named it. I said, I saw this post on social media and that is why my anxiety is happening right now. Great. Like I was able, and you're right. It really does help. It does help at least explain the feeling because even if you know, it's anxiety, unless you actually name it, it's like, I don't know. So the brain is such a crazy it's wonderful smart brilliant so, so thing much, yes well and i think i just um you saying that and i, I want to underline it with um i mentioned jill bolte taylor's work earlier and i'm um working i ha- i actually have an episode you know where she you can go into because i think her work um in this brain aspect is Ooh. is really powerful and i'm i'm going to be working with it more and, and directly, you know, with moms, um, in relationship because it's called whole brain living, but to, un- to underline even just the point that we were just making, if I can name my emotion, because the way our brain is structured and the physiology of ourselves, we're, we are emotional beings. The, our first reaction to anything is emotion. You know, we're emotional beings that think, you know, and the only thing that's like there is it for an infant when they first are born is their emotion. Right. And we then, you know, build the wiring in the other areas of our brain uh, based on that. But I think sometimes, and in particular in our culture, we think emotions are going to squash our thinking or I'm not supposed to have them. And if I could just think through something and if, like you said, you know, it doesn't make sense or this rationale, and we're so hooked on having that be the answer when there's all this information in our emotions and you know, they're, they really are this beautiful thing that when we can, you know, navigate the waters of our, our memories that have triggers attached to those emotions, you know, then we can take advantage of the other aspects of our brain, which is the playful emotional side, right? The spontaneous, like, you know, live in the moment, because ultimately, you know, what we want, we want to, you know, manage these strong emotions in a way that, helps us, you know, be functional and make good choices, but really, you know, 
then we take it the next step. We really want to open the space to be as present with ourselves so I can be in the moment and present with my child, for example, you know, for moms and like, what does it really mean to like be there? And we can have flashes of it and flashes of it are great. Um, you know, they're those golden moments where it's like, wow, like you really get like this, this is amazing, you know, and those kind of, yeah, wow, you know, type moments, but we can have more and more of those the more we get in relationship and partnership with these different aspects of our brains. So more to come on that, but I'm super excited about it because that's another framework that I think is going to be very supportive, you know, for us as moms. And I've been using that when you said, you know, triggers and, and things like that. Like I've, you know, been using that in relationship with my husband in addition to with my kids in, you know, some things that he said recently that triggered me. It's like, Ooh, I could just get defensive and that hits this wound of mine. Oh, you know, but I can be rational about it and I can be in the moment about it. And I can understand like, there's a whole bigger game and purpose and, you know, and that more vision aspect. So I, I, I hope that didn't get too complicated, but I, I, I'm really excited about it. And I, I think it's another Avenue that uh, we can really explore uh, possibilities in this transformational opportunity in mothering. Yeah, I am going to check out that episode for sure. So I'll link it in the show notes. And the book you mentioned was called Whole Brain Living. And you'll and you'll be starting to work more with that framework as well. Yeah, in your own. I, I've already brought it in, but I actually, I mean, I'm super excited about it because if, if when you look her up, like, you know, she's I had her on my podcast and it was one of those fan those moments, like you're a podcaster, like, you know, you have this dream guest list of, you know, people that you admire and you've, you know, really like explored their work. And, and when she said yes to being on my podcast, I was like, oh my God, you know, (laughs) it's like, you know, somebody in music having, you know, one of the top stars there. Um, So as you explore her, like she's been in this brain work field because she's someone, she had the most, I don't think she, she had the first Ted talk to go viral. And it was called A Stroke of Insight and her first book, A Stroke of Insight. But now she's done more work and has made this, you know, um, really beautiful. But anyway, I'm in her. uh, She wanted to start a coach training program. And after being on my podcast, uh, she asked me to be a part of it, which I was very honored. So I'm just more and more, you know, seeing the power of this as another tool and vehicle for us. That is awesome. And I feel like it's a great transition to start talking about mom rage. I did want to be careful about how we talked about mom rage. So I know that postpartum rage is a very real mood disorder that 22, I think, I think the stat is that 22% of women will experience postpartum mood disorders more serious than baby blues. So a lot of moms have experienced postpartum rage. I think what I, how, how I described how my dogs made me feel that sort of uncontrollable zero to a hundred, not being able to snap out of it on my own, struggling mm-hmm. to control my temper and s- increased amount of screaming or swearing. Like I remember that was such an unproud moments mm. and moments that I've had where I just like flipped out. Like that was best way to describe it. Yeah. I guess how, how do you want to define how we talk about mom rage? Do we want to consider it postpartum rage? Like, how do you, how do you want to talk about it? Well, you know, I, um, or how do you identify, how do you, how do you identify it actually? Yeah. Cause I'm, yeah. you know, I, since I'm not a therapist and I don't yeah, diagnose, yeah. you know, so I don't, you know, 
I mean, I'm familiar with the DSM three and or five uh, and yeah, diagnosis, yeah. but I don't, since that's not the field I'm in. So, you know, if I'm working with somebody and this is uh, like, I, I still might use the word mom rage, but I tend yeah, that's to, fine. Think, I tend to work more in the like really strong, powerful emotions, you know? Got so it. It, I, I, that's, you know, kind of my zone you know, of working with somebody where, but it, you know, similar to what you described though, like those moments where we're just so triggered, you know, we're kind of off the charts and our behavior may either be to go totally inside ourselves and, you know, kind of shut in and and around and, and um, turn it in on ourselves or, you know, uh, we might explode with it and, Mm -hmm. you know, and have it just erupt Mm -hmm. and come out and, uh, and, you know, I, I think the, the first thing I always, so does that help like with the definition? Yeah. So I won't, you know, there are people that could work with it at, at that level. And, and when I work with somebody, if it's at a standpoint where it's interfering with their daily life, it's, you know, this is, isn't just a, you know, periodic uh, thing, but it's like, it's a constant, then, you know, mm-hmm. I refer them to a good therapist because there, yeah, that work is so important. Right. And, and look for, you know, more ways just to get that, you know, um, more up. I hate, sometimes I use the word manage because I don't want it to sound like we're, you know, negating them, you know, or mm-hmm. we have to, but to get it under control, like where they feel it, you know, we can start functioning again. You know? uh, yeah. So the steps before that and before, you know, we get to that, but it's, you know, oh my God, I just went off the handle, you know, on, on my dogs and these things are coming out of my mouth that never have before. And, you know, like we say, it's, it's not our proud moments. I mean, one, I always want to give just a ton of compassion, you know, for us, you know, women, moms, like going through this because there is ways that we, we, we are a bit unhinged, you know, and if we can kind of honor that as part of the like roller coaster that we signed up for, instead of just always feeling like, God, I just got to get it back together, you know, mm-hmm. and this is going to be a little like on the other end of the spectrum of what, you know, some people might say, but there's always a part of me that says, you know, let's also ride this journey. Like we're going to put ourselves back together. It will happen, you know, at whatever level of support we need to do that. Maybe I'm someone who's always kept it in and, and this is like, unloosened that bind where it's like, wow, you know, and I'm like screaming at, at my dog. Now we don't want to cause harm. You know, we don't want to scream at our babies. You know, there's, I'm not saying that, but you know, there's places where it's like totally okay. And to know there's grace right? Mm-hmm. and to understand that, you know, we are on this journey. And what if, what if having some of these strong emotions was a little bit more okay? You know, and what if, what if we like, said, well, you know, no, not my proudest moment, but dang, yeah, I'm like really pissed at these dogs. Like, you know, (laughs) yeah, and I'm just trying to deal with this and they're, you know, they're really interfering and I kind of have a right to be upset about it. And um, so now let's figure it out. Right. So now once I've, you know, said all that and I had the expression, okay, so what can we do about this? Like, how do I, you know, how, how do I, what are some strategies now that I can, so I think sometimes when we give ourselves permission to like go into those feelings a little bit more, um, you know, we can see that we're not going to necessarily lose ourselves in them. And we are, I worked with a woman who, you know, w- was really there and, you know, for her to get that being sad for a period of time while her 
kids were little was okay. You know, like the sadness had probably been sitting in her for a long time and she gets to be sad now, you know? And like I said, if you have support around you and a husband, you know, we can have those really sad moments. And sometimes, you know, you might be really sad with your kids. I'm a big believer in like the energy of all that. They know if you really are working on it, you know, for yourself and you're, you know, consciously engaging with this, like that takes away a lot of the anxiety in the system, you know, where our kids and I'm being as responsible as I can. I'm not, you know, yelling at the top of my lungs at my infant, you know, that's just really not good for their nervous system. (laughs) Or I'm not saying this in any way to like cause harm, but like, no, I can, I can like go let myself be sad. Or Mm -hmm. maybe now, instead of like, I feel that feeling come up, I can do the timeout, but I can still go hit a pillow, you know, hit a couch and, you know, let some of this like rage out in an appropriate way. So I think, you know, what I'm trying to say that is at some level, the feelings are okay. And they actually do need to get expressed. I want to find some strategies and ways to handle it in the moment, not, you know, put it out at this you know, the, the dogs are these, this little being, cause it's not their fault really, you know? Um, yeah. and I can go honor, you know, these feelings and emotions that I'm having. Yeah. Thoughts, you know, uh, reactions to that. Yeah. That's, that makes a lot of sense. It's like finding a place, an appropriate place for those emotions. It might be hard in the moment to do, but I feel like it does come with practice. Like something I turned to in my moments of rage was I displaced it into exercise. So I would like angry Peloton, (laughs) which sounds so funny, but no, not at all. Like getting physical and movement and having our, I mean, movement in our body. Like, and when I said that about, you know, going and hitting the couch, like as our kids got a little bit older, little bit older, we bought those foam bats. And, (laughs) you know, if I got really mad or one of them did, like we'd get them out and like, we'd really like, we'd, you know, either hit the couch or, you know, when they got old enough and, you know, um, you know, you could hit each other like below the waist, right? Like not the face or whatever, you know, we want to create an atmosphere where like having emotions is okay, but a little more structured, a little more safe, you know, um, right. And in ways that, we can get, mm-hmm. you know, these emotions out and not sit on top of them because that's some of where mom rage comes from too. In some ways, especially when our kids get older and they're, you know, not doing as we say, and then, you know, we let certain behaviors build and build and build, and then we blow, right? Because we haven't tended to getting ourselves satisfied or, you know, to the behavior, like nip it in the bud. And then, you know, they keep doing it, they keep doing it and they do one little thing and you're, you know, we're, we're screaming our head off, but it's because we didn't take care of the situation or ourselves along the way. That's another way that mom rage can come up also. Oh yeah. I feel like I can totally identify that. That's so when you work with your clients, do you help them find ways to safely and he- like healthily express their emotions? Like what are some of the things yeah. that you recommend or how do you guide them towards that? Well, you know, kind of first off, you know, most of us, have limitations, you know, they come into this and until you've started working on, you know, bringing your emotions more accessible and and online consciously, um, that's like the first place I start, you know, with people is 
getting them just identifying just in your day to day. Like, cause what we want to do is get some muscles built around naming them and expressing them when we're not in the heat of the moment. You know, that's like the big challenge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's like the Olympics of, of yeah. putting some of this to the test, but in our everyday, you know, I can go through my day. I can, I, I have, um, you know, p- women, people journal, you know, a few times during their day, what am I feeling right in this moment? Or look back on your day and, you know, um, identifying uh, that. So uh, there's a lot that, that we want to happen to get acclimated and get some muscles built around identifying and then expressing in more benign situations, you know, our, our emotions. And I always keep it to five primary emotions. And those emotions are fear, hurt, anger, sadness, and joy. So just to name really quickly, yes, I know it sounds like four are bad and one is good, but they're all, that's some of what we work on. Like they're actually all have a function. They all are important. They're all ones we want to have access to um, for healthy living. But uh, so in my day, when I can name those five emotions and then, you know, with myself, but then bringing other people into it, like, you know, your partner or spouse, if you have one or, you know, close friends. And then eventually when the kids have language and that you can start training it with them. And we do something called the feelings game where once mm-hmm. it, you know, usually at dinner or let it, at a meal, you, each person gets the opportunity to share their day through the lens of those five emotions. So where did, where's one place I felt each of those. So I just think it's, and it's beautiful because you get to, you know, even with your partner, you know, you might hardly see each other in the day, you know, and as kids grow and get older, you know, it's an access into each other that isn't just the, like, what did you do, you know, mm-hmm. today or, you yes. know, some of those How things that work? no answers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Good. But it gives us a framework that we can practice this. So that's a key thing that I love to give um, and have everyone practice because then we're building the muscles and it's so that in the heat of that moment or a trigger, what am I feeling right now? I'm actually really hurt. You know, something my child just did hurt my feelings, right? Like mm-hmm. they said something, you know, um, when they get a little bit older, they, they kind of know what your buttons, they get to know what your buttons are and they start Ooh. pushing them. <laughs> Not <laughs> but I can name to that. that to myself, you know, hurt. And like, you know, like we said, so in that moment and the mommy timeouts, I mean, those I think are, you know, three things that I would say if we practice some of those, so the identifying the awareness, like through our day. And I love the things you said, you know, a practice of meditation, a practice where we're taking time for ourselves, um, all stuff that's really good, but those are more ongoing and in the moment things. Yeah. It's all connected, right? Like all of the work that we do, it's not like we do one, it's not like we meditate just to work on one area of our development. Like it really does everything you do literally touches every single piece of what you're working towards. Tell us more about your private coaching and your podcast. Sure. Thank you. Yeah. So I love, you know, working one-on-one um, at various times. I also do sometimes I've done online courses or intensives around um, the framework of rewriting the mother code, but one-on-one, you know, I, it really kind of depends on, you know, the woman's needs. I, I love working with women. I like everything from the, I'm thinking about having a child, like what should I do to prepare to, you know, the throes of motherhood and at every stage, just, you know, to really support them in identifying, you know, these gifts that are there and being able to like focus on themselves and, 
you know, their transformation, their work, and to deal with like the day-to-day. So it's kind of a combination of both um, and using these frameworks that I talked about. And then my podcast, Mud Her, I know it's, it's <laughs> I, I, even when it's I introduce it, I, I always kind of, jo- you know, joke a little about it. But I was hoping, you know, in that like Mud Her, because the my big focus is on, you know, we all mother, we mother children, yes, but dreams and ideas and careers and relationships, pets. Um, But the most important person we need to mother is ourselves and, you know, that opportunity of that. So that's the like mother, her, you know, mothering yourself and, you know, whole range, some solo episodes, guests, like I said, all geared to empower us and bring us, you know, tools of transformation and just awarenesses and, um, you know, looking at what's possible on this journey for ourselves. Yeah, I really love your podcast. I'm excited to listen to more of it. Um, and your private coaching sounds awesome too. It's awesome that you work with women from at every stage, from thinking about having another child to maybe a second child to all of the different stages of motherhood. So I think that's yeah. really it. It does. It is fun. I I also love. I love talking to other women. I love talking about yes. motherhood. Like it's just. It is such a transformative special thing that not everybody gets to go through and it really is the second you give birth physically it's literally like everything you give birth to an like I wrote another thing that I wrote like that didn't make sense at the time but I was like it's like I gave birth to a like a new me or I gave birth to a a new version of myself and I was like well that sounds kind of weird but like it feels like it's true and like looking Mm -hmm. back like it really is true like but I love me now even even though I am maybe a little more broken in some ways but I'm also like so I've grown so much as well so it's like it's all in the I just feel like in the end it's all good like you can't have I feel like you can't have the the yin and the yang of life Mm -hmm. like the peaks and valleys and just what you mentioned before too, about how you were a coach and then you were also like regressing in your words, no one's immune to it. So it's, it's like when you do get triggered or you do feel rage, like it's very easy to feel shame, especially in this society where in this culture where we have social media and we're only seeing everybody's perfect life. And I mean, now it's changing a little bit. I feel like people are starting to share the more imperfect pieces yeah, of it's, themselves it's showing up a little bit here and there right it's it's getting Some there reality but it's yeah. still it's still hard not yeah i'm hopeful too but it's hard it's hard like it's hard it's hard to share the unglamorous moments because yeah. honestly they just aesthetically they're not aesthetically pleasing or look good but they do feel like people do connect with those moments so much and then what you mentioned Absolutely. about mommy time out so good that's like the first thing i'm going to implement um, and I think my toddler is going to get a real kick out of it too. Like if I put, my, if I put myself in literally, if I put myself in timeout, I think he would like, he'd be like, I know he's going to get a kick out of it. It's going to be so funny. Yeah. Mom needs timeouts too. Cause timeouts, that's what they're good for, right? It's just a, a break in the behavior, right? They're not going to necessarily like be a behavior changer, but they give us a break, like, you know, so we can think about it and come back you know, mm-hmm. having thought about it and, and, you know, in a different space. Yeah. A little breather. Well, Gertrude, thank you so much uh, for chatting you. with me today. This has been just, I love this. Yeah. Yeah. This is excellent. 
tell us where people can connect with you. Sure. Well, there was my podcast, Mother, with Dr. Gertrude Lyons, and that's on most podcasts, but for sure, Apple, Spotify, and other places. My website is www.drgertrudelyons.com and Instagram at Dr. Gertrude Lyons. So, I mean, I'm also on LinkedIn too, but yeah, keeping it, try to keep it a little bit easy and, you know, focus on some of those arenas to to support and, and be out there. So yeah, I love hearing from people and I, I love, and I love podcasting because I get to meet people like you and doing such great work and getting, you know, mom supported in the way you are. It's really beautiful. Yeah. That's, that's why I love podcasting too. I love meeting people and it's like hard to meet people like these days. So this is yeah, yeah. It's such a great avenue for it. And everybody, sure. I will link everything in the show notes. So if you just want to quickly navigate to show notes, you can connect with Gertrude there. Um, but otherwise, thanks for listening and catch you back next week for the next episode. Bye. Thanks for joining us this week on the new mama's podcast. This podcast was created to help first-time moms everywhere navigate this new stage of life and talk about the honest and the raw moments in motherhood. I'm your host, Lena Forrestal. I'm a working mom by day and a blogger, photographer, and podcaster by mid-afternoon. And as a first-time mom myself, I'm on this journey with you. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. And if you did, be sure to subscribe and leave a review on your favorite listening platform. You can donate to the show at buymeacoffee.com slash newmamaspodcast. Stay in touch by following us on Instagram at newmamaspodcast and Lena Forrestal. Thanks again and stay tuned next week for the next episode. Bye.